Accredited Master Coach, Speaker, Author, and Podcaster. Welcome to my podcast, The Can Do Way. My guests from across the globe have can do stories of growth, resilience, and success to share. Tune in and be inspired by these individuals who have developed a strong can do approach. Each one of their stories is unique, each one of their stories has a key message. This episode of The Can Do Way, I'm talking to Agnieszka Bourbon, relationship expert for women. Now, the focus of her work is to help women be madly successful in their career and in love. She has a clinical background as a psychotherapist, which stems from her training at the prestigious Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology and Neuroscience in London. As a relationship expert, she shatters the common misconceptions about modern dating and helps her clients, women in their 30s, 40s, 50s and above, create their first truly happy and lasting romantic relationships. The good news is her work has also saved many married couples from a divorce. Agnieszka created her first happy relationship in her 40s, a story she described in her recently released book, Wild Wise Women, which received 40 plus straight five-star reviews and became number one bestseller in multiple categories on Amazon. So welcome to the show today. Hi, Gail. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure. Wonderful. So if we can, let's wind the clock back a bit. If you can take our listeners on a short walk through your life to give them a glimpse of your background and what actually led you to help women discover truly, madly, deeply love? Oh, yes. It's probably a long story. I'll try to make it short. (laughs) Uh, But I think it all started from me being really interested in, um, in how we humans think and feel and being really curious, being really curious about people, because, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm a qualified psychotherapist. And, and then I kind of moved on to become a relation, dating a relationship expert. But it all stemmed from this curiosity. And, um, you know, my path actually started from a very various experiences in London when I was on this path of discovering you know what I want so um, I became a mental health professional mental health social worker as I was working initially in London in psychiatric care Um, you know the heavy end of mental health Uh, what I mean by that is you know people with psychosis bipolar disorder etc And what I discovered doing that work was that I really craved being and working with people more. You know, working in the public service usually entails a lot of paperwork, bureaucracy. And I very quickly kind of said to my boss, uh, listen, I I actually want to study psychology. <laughs> he wasn't very happy because, you know, I was still new in the work. I was, I was, you know, in the in the team. I was still new, relatively new compared to my colleagues in, in what I was doing. But he agreed. 
And I studied psychology and then I realized, okay, actually I want to become a psychotherapist. So I, I very quickly moved on and, and uh, I was very lucky, but also very determined to, to get into the, I think one of the best institutions in, in London and in Europe, Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology and Neuroscience. And I studied psychotherapy there. And that's actually when, where I am right now, uh, where this journey started, because this job allowed me to have a lot of access to, to clients, to patients. And a lot of my clients were women. And, you know, as a clinician, I'm a cognitive behavioral uh, psychotherapist. As a clinician, we, as a clinicians, we, as clinicians, we follow protocols. We follow, you know, sort of prescribed ways of working with people. But then I was getting very often women who would come to me with relatively high levels of anxiety and depression. And, you know, usually in the first session, we want to know the context. We want to know why, what is the trigger? What's causing all that? And very often these women would tell me, you know, I'm not really happy in my marriage. I miss my career. I'm at home with the kids. And it feels to me like my husband is neglecting me. Like I'm not getting any support. I'm not getting any help. And one of the, the, the patients actually said, I'm thinking of getting a divorce. And at this point, because I'd been, I think, since forever, I suppose, interested in relationship work. And I've always done a lot of reading around that even prior to being qualified in, in, in that area, I started to sneak in, hopefully none of my supervisors is listening, <laughs> sneak in a lot of relationship work into my psychotherapy work. And what I discovered was absolutely most fascinating. So the first thing I discovered was that it is enough for us to work with one person to um, even to save the marriage, to save the whole relationship, or to change, to empower one person in such a way that they make the best decisions uh, for, for themselves when it comes to the relationship. Um, and I think, I don't know, do we have time for a little story? <laughs> Please, go ahead. And it actually, because I think, um, I think it's a very powerful story in in you know, interesting for the listeners, but also in my career, it was like a complete turnaround. So I, I remember the story which really changed, made me realize how important it is to, to empower women, was a story of a woman who was, um, I think, in her 50s. And of course, I'm not going to share many details, just a very rough outline of the story, who came to me again in psychotherapy, complaining of anxiety and, and depression. And there was a very sad story behind her story, which is, you know, she felt very neglected by her husband. She felt the whole romance was gone. He was coming home late. Um, she, she really felt marginalized and she was hurting. She was really hurting. And we started to, again, I was sneaking in relationship work into psychotherapy. <laughs> and we started working purely on this woman, um, on her self-esteem. Her self-esteem was very low on her self-esteem. Um, and, you know, of course I was doing pieces of work with where 
in inverted commas, legitimate in psychotherapy as well. But also I was sneaking in typical relationship work, um, you know, and this woman uh, started to grow inside. Anyway, um, where we got after a few weeks was, and that's where I was surprised. She said to me, do you know what? I got to a stage where I feel completely confident in myself. I don't have any depression or anxiety. I feel like his behavior is not changing because she had a conversation with the, the husband. And nothing is changing. I still feel like I'm being neglected. And I decided to take a divorce. But do you know what? I feel completely, completely um, fulfilled, complete when, when it comes to therapy. Please let's finish psychotherapy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good. I had a thought. Do you know what? let's before we finish uh, I knew she was going to talk to him about divorce and basically I was just being you know just a precautious psychotherapist when clients tell you they are going to drop a bomb in their life it's probably best not to finish psychotherapy at that point and wait until they've dropped the bomb so I asked her would you consider seeing me in a few weeks time just so we can discuss what happened and so we did. <laughs> so we did meet. And what she told me um, really, really surprised me. She basically said that um, she asked her husband to, to pack his things. His, uh, she, she packed, I think she even packed his suitcases. And she said, that's it. I, I think there is nothing more I can say and do. Things are not changing and I'm really not happy. I would like you to leave the house. And she said, to my surprise, that that was the moment the husband went on his knees, started crying and asked for her forgiveness. And she decided to give him a second chance. And she said, after that, everything changed. She said he started to come home early. He was really attentive. They started to cook dinners together, enjoy the time together. Everything changed. And I didn't even go into a lot of detail uh, in this story because there were some details which uh, were very difficult for that client, what she experienced. But in this scenario, it's, it's not that, you know, every case is like this, that it has to come to such an extreme. But in the story of this couple, it had to, she had to, you know, go to such lengths to turn the relationship around. And it made me realize, oh my gosh, this, this fills my heart. This is exactly what I want to do. And yeah, that's, I suppose, where it started really, where I transitioned from psychotherapy, which I very rarely uh, do these days, uh, the, the typical clinical work. I mostly work with either single women or coupled women. And uh, yeah, and this, this is really the, the work I do these days. Fantastic. You know, just listening to the threads of how it all, you've, you've woven all of your life, you know, as you said at the start, it's a path of discovery that you were on in London and you were working with people, but in a different capacity. And then you moved into a new arena where you were really inspired to, to get deep into that whole psychology of how people think and feel. And, yeah. and then, you know, just the story you shared with my listeners to 
just bring to the surface that alignment and the parallels of your cognitive behavioural therapy work with the whole relationship and the the emotions and and the power of the transition you helped that woman and her husband make as well. But, you know, it says to me that had you not Mm. been there at that moment and unearthed that type of discussion in her and given her that space, then who knows where she might be today. It's a wonderful, wonderful introduction to your work. And I love the fact that you started out saying you're a very curious person. You love that path of discovery. That's such a a strength of the the can-do mindset. So when you were transitioning from, you know, this, this maybe this challenge for you of moving through from psychotherapy into the relationship work that you, you now derive so much joy from, what would you say were some of the challenges you were facing as a professional at that level? As a professional at that level, I suppose, um, you know, what I'm going to say is not going to be a surprise because, you know, I used to work just, you know, um, for other people for the in the public sector in the UK and back in London. Um, And it was a big step for me to fully stand on my legs and have fully my own business mm-hmm. but truth being told there were there were you know signs when I was working in offices that I I'm, I'm absolutely not cut out for <laughs> working <laughs> for someone else mm-hmm. like I really struggle with sticking you know to nine to five and doing what someone else tells me to do but I think uh, what I struggled most with is that um, I didn't realize I would be talking about that. But, uh, you know, when you work for someone else, you um, there are limitations and constrictions. And I don't like to 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 have those limitations and constrictions. And I think there's the, the whole paradigm around, you know, um, when you work in clinical work about uh, authority and, uh, for example, I remember in our mental health team, and that's prior to me being a psych, uh, psychotherapist when I was a, a mental health uh, practitioner, social worker. I remember, you know, there was this um, this whole paradigm of doctors being sort of higher in hierarchy than other professionals who, who were wonderfully qualified and experienced. Mm. And, mm. you know, to a doctor, we would say Dr. This, Dr. Smith, Dr. Adams, whereas all the other people in the team were called by their names. And I, I, it didn't agree with me at all. Mm-hmm. And what did not agree with me was also that, you know, I had, I didn't have, I felt like my potential was not not utilized really. My power was in connecting with people. And it's not just the clinical skills. I think what patients, what clients really appreciate is this, is knowing that someone really hears them and someone is really present with them and someone is really curious about, about them. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the biggest gifts we can give to to people and receive um, as such. Um, so a challenge was definitely to fully stand on my legs and, and trust that I can do it. I, can, I don't need to depend on, you know, an employer mm-hmm. to do what, you know, what my heart really desires. Mm-hmm. And um, I still remember the moment when I fully transitioned. 
to, you know, like I, I, I stopped working. I was working for a, when I moved to Sweden from London to Sweden a few years back, I was working still for a, an online company, a psychotherapy company, which was fantastic. But I was like always split, you know, therapy. And then, as you know, being a business owner, there's so much that goes, you know, in business, <laughs> into business and tasks. I... I, I could never juggle that, both both things. And then I just jumped and decided, okay, I, that's it. I, I have to trust. I have to trust it's going to work. And there was, you know, no going back from there, I think. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's where I there am. Isn't, there isn't. You're, there isn't. You're where you there are isn't. today. There isn't. There isn't because I think as you get the taste of, you know, of course it comes with challenges and responsibilities. But, you know, I would never change it for anything you know that freedom that we have as business owners uh if i'm tired i don't need to run to the tube i used to travel back in london in my last uh, job i was traveling for 90 minutes i would lift in south london i need to take the tube and the train and another tube and it was taking 90 minutes to get to work so by the time i was in the office i was tired and sweaty at nine o'clock mm-hmm. <laughs> even until today i feel so grateful uh, you know, living here in Sweden on the outskirts of a uh, outskirts of a city, in nature, that I can get up without that stress and pressure. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I wouldn't change it for anything really. It's a beautiful end to what was a challenge for yeah. you, you know, and then you transitioned, but then you're thriving in this new lifestyle that you've created and this new professional way of working for yourself, but. As I reflect on what you were saying, you know, you you gave yourself permission to accept that true calling for you. And it was obviously, and I'm sure my listeners can hear that too, a very liberating experience where you said, I don't want to be constrained by having a boss or other people telling me all the restrictions that working in an office or a corporate environment perhaps um, mm. produces you were brave enough as well to step away and say, this is what brings me joy. And you are helping people at a different level, but you're doing it for yourself now. And you're doing it on your own terms in your own time. And that Mm. takes a lot of courage to actually break away and do that. So when you first did it, what what, what do you think were some of those initial maybe risks that you took that you've had to overcome as well. So you stepped oh, yeah. away from, did you step away from a, a, a monthly salary and then you were on your own? How, how did it I work? Did, I did. Oh gosh. And this is another part of my story, which I think ties in nicely with what I do these days, mm. but I must say I'm a big risk taker. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> my partner looks at me and he's like a little bit like, oh, what's she and doing? I, <laughs> and it even comes up like he's an, an, um, an ardent, uh, you know, board game player. He loves board games and he can see how I love to, you know, how I get the thrill for, the, you know, taking risks even in board games. But it started uh, from literally having, like losing everything for me. And I don't want to now tell you the story as a drama story because mm. 
I think sometimes when we lose everything, it's necessary to receive a a message and a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. And I needed that wake-up call. So as I described this story in, uh, you know, um, in in the book, um, I mean, it was, I was one of the contributors in the book, uh, Wild Wise Women. Mm -hmm. Uh, The story is there. you know, I fell in love with someone and I was, it was, I think right before my 40th birthday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I delivered all this uh, beautiful treatment and services for other women in psychotherapy, but I, 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 my life was still, I was struggling deep down. I knew it existed, but I didn't have it. I didn't have that love that I really always, always wanted and then I met someone Swedish and we fell in love and, you know, it was on a holiday, you know, abroad and beautiful setting. And, and you know, we we continued the relationship sort of, um, you know, living in two, two countries and traveling to each other, you know, between London and Sweden. And then after a year, so it wasn't like, uh, you know, jumping, exactly jumping into a relationship. But after a year, I decided to move to Sweden because he had kids and he didn't want to pull the kids out of school etc it was much easier for me and then within literally eight months of me moving in the relationship completely disintegrated and I it was like all the worst scenarios happened you know in that relationship including me going into deep depression and anxiety and losing two of my best friends and and basically being dumped and left and I know it might sound dramatic but it's actually a happy story (laughs) and uh and you know I I I had hardly any money I had uh, I think a few online psychotherapy patients and then I had one relationship uh work client private and I had to move out, obviously. And I was in a foreign country. I didn't know any Swedish. I didn't know the system. I could not understand what the paperwork was about. You know, I had to like set up my company. I couldn't understand the documents. <laughs> and the logical uh, thing would have been to c- go back to London. And I still remember talking to a dear friend of mine by the same name, Agnieszka Ag. So Ag, I'm at a stage where, you know, I don't know what to do. I think I should just go back to London unless a miracle happens. And then a miracle happened. (laughs) Actually, then a miracle happened. Uh, Because a week after that conversation, I suddenly got unlimited access to psychotherapy patients, uh, you you know, from the online therapy company I was working for. And I did stand on my feet. Um, So you know, it was a story of, I felt like I lost everything back then, initially. I, you know, lost my home, lost my my partner, my heart was broken. And I think very, very, very fast, I, I picked myself up. I think after a few months, I went to London, I was uh, taking part in a a beautiful event uh, run by Catherine Woodward Thomas, who was my first mentor when it comes to relationship work. And I remember sitting in this big, beautiful church in London and listening to to Catherine talk about relationships and something just, and she just gave me so much hope during that talk that I decided, do you know what, Ag, you need to 
do something drastic because your love life is not working and what you've been doing so far is not working. Let's take a jump. And at that point, I, I was still pretty much broke. I took out my credit card and I invested in my relationship training. Uh, initially, it was just with her. And, and that was super risky, super, super risky, but I did it. And it absolutely did work. Um, it absolutely did work. I, I remember from the time I was left by my ex-partner to the time I, I met my current partner, it took um, a year. And before I met my current partner, I also had a client, like a trainee client, uh, who also found her partner even before I found my partner. So I knew that, okay, what I'm doing actually does work, actually does work. So this is like a, a kind of lengthy introduction into, you know, into how, how I started. But it started from, from a big disappointment. And I'm saying this because I know how many women feel hurt and disappointed by, you know, the previous experiences in love or what they're going through on dating websites or dating apps. And I think this past experience very often feeds into the, you know, consciousness and into the, um, you know, awareness as to what we can have in the future, which is absolutely not true. Um, and I got to know, I got to know that, you know, in my own life, because my own life, I actually was attracting partners who, who were really marginalizing me and um, not making me feel like I was really um, important, not making me feel loved. And of course, I got to realize I was, you know, how I was co-creating these experiences myself. So this is like a long, long story um, around um, around that and in answer to your question. Yes, most definitely. And and you illustrated brilliantly, as you said, taking that risk. Love was your risk at the time, but you lost, you were, there was redemption, and then you discovered hope through wonderful experience in the church that day but you've you've taken us through that wonderful curve which is the can-do attitude of that not everything always works out in life but we have to have mm. the courage to do these things so taking a risk is taking courage but then you face the adversity then that that broken relationship presented you with you learned how to build that resilience and what you're now doing today in your work and how you are in a a happy relationship with the right person, you found the love that you desire. And you now, because you've walked your talk, you can help so many other women to make that happen in their lives as well. So I think you've taken us full circle through so mm. many of those key elements of, of the can-do mindset. So we come to the time that I'd like to ask you, what are your three can-do tips that you'd like to leave your leave the listeners with today yes I think um I think one of the answers came to me even as you were speaking <laughs> that uh, when it comes to love and relationships um we what helped me a lot was because you know there are always challenges you know there are mm -hmm. always challenges and when I work with my clients um, you know, 
women are usually resistant at first, you know, around signing up for dating. Oh no, dating up, no, I'll experience this and that. And they do sometimes experience challenges, of course. But in this work, if you want to really succeed, you need to believe, you need to uh, really develop this muscle of trust and belief that uh, there is a force stronger than what you can see physically in the 3D reality. And from, as for me, I uh, just to illustrate it, I had, I used to live in this teeny tiny, as my partner says, Harry Potter flat before I met him. <laughs> and I had like all my, you know, training books and I was like so excited about what I was doing and my future work with clients working on love. And I remember I had this cut out uh, like sentence, life has got my back. And every time I had a disappointment in dating, I would look at it and I'd go back to this belief, life has got my back. And for some people, it could be God or universe. For me, what worked for me was life. Life has got my back. I'm going to get there. So I think this is one, 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 one of those uh, tips. Another tip would be that our past experiences are never a reflection of what we can have in the future. Mm -hmm. It's hard to believe, but the way I work with my clients, they get to actually realize that even on a, in a kind of logical level how it works i use a lot of psycho relationship psychology tools as well to make it sort of digestible mm -hmm. uh the third tip is that we always it might sound abstract uh at this point if someone is new to this this kind of work is that we always create uh, and co-create our experiences with people and that very much applies to to our you know romantic relationships and we have fully have the power to create the exact relationship uh, we want um so yeah i i deeply believe in that and you know having seen my own transformation and having seen transformations in other women from you know constantly attracting emotionally unavailable partners or even not being able to create a single relationship to creating beautiful, lasting, loving relationships in which they feel adored, in which they feel prioritized, and in which they feel emotionally safe. And I'm going to stress that because I think if any of the listeners um, is like me, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety in love always in the past. And for me, what was important was to be with a partner who makes me feel emotionally safe. So there is no tiptoeing. So I can relax and be myself. And so that I don't need to worry about the future because I know he's got my back. Beautiful. So that's, yeah, that's what I would have to say in answer to that question. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. That's, those are wonderful points for the listeners to take away about developing your muscle of trust and belief and that our past experiences do not have to reflect what happens mm -hmm. to us next and that we can create and co-create those relationships mm -hmm. in our lives. They're very, very important because it's, it is a two-way street. So my final question for you is why do you feel a can-do attitude is absolutely essential? Uh, I think 
you know, I was thinking initially when I saw your question, I was like, can do attitude, can do attitude. I think it's important to um, to to know why the the why behind what we are doing. I think this is the 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 most important fuel that keeps us going through challenges. So what kept me going? I don't know if this is answering your question, <laughs> actually, but. You know, I I am personally constructed in a way where uh, where I, I I just have it within me. You know, I'm not only a risk taker, but also I I I for some reason deep down believe everything is actually possible. If there's a challenge, <laughs> there's no way I'm not going to get to where I want to get to. Uh, but I think the why behind is very is very important. Why we are doing something. Uh, when we step into something, when we want to achieve achieve something, um, what's the motivation behind it? Um, is it is it actually? Am I actually answering your question, Gail? <laughs> there is no right or wrong answer. It's your interpretation of what that question this says. This is to my you. interpretation. There you this go. There you go. <laughs> I think it's our wonderful. our wise motivate us and fuel us so if for example I personally if I didn't believe that deep down despite all the challenges despite all the physical proof that you know I I was not getting where I wanted to get in dating for a long time and I was having one failed relationship after another if deep down I didn't have that belief it is possible for some reason it's not happening to me but it is possible if it wasn't there I don't think I would have ever strived to to get there. And I think this that's why the can do attitude is important that you need to you need to you know be able to source your hope and your conviction that you can get where you want to get uh, from somewhere if you don't have it within you. And maybe surround yourself with the examples, like inspiring examples of people who have achieved that, because that shapes our consciousness, that shapes ultimately what we can or cannot have. So these days, I'm actually very, very careful who I surround myself with, you know, when it comes, for example, to my business. Um, I really very easily as an empath pick up on people's energy. And if I feel someone is draining my energy intuitively, I feel this is not fueling me I step away from that and I don't feel bad about it these days so yes this is my answer to your question Gail thank you so much you know <laughs> it's 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 very clear that I can hear and the listeners can hear as well the passion in your voice about what you've gone through how you've how you've got through your your path of discovery as you named it right at the start and now how you've brought all, you've woven all of those parts of your life together. You've aligned the things that truly matter to you. Your why is very, very strong. And so I just want mm. to say thank you so much for being my guest today. You know, the message I feel that you're leaving the listeners with is, is, is develop that trust in yourself and, and have that hopeful outcome, that hopeful, sorry, not outcome, outlook mm. to say, you know, I, this may have happened to me, but this can I can have a different future. So trust and hope is a very clear message. So thank you so much for being my guest today You're on the so Can Do Way. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Gail. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do you live and breathe a can-do attitude? Have an inspiring perspective, a life-changing experience, or intriguing story to share? Always curious, and with an insatiable appetite for a good yarn, I invite you to be my guest. Do get in touch via my website, gailmgibson.com. The Can Do Way podcast, refreshing, positive and real.